everyone, and welcome to the Pro Series. I am your host, Eric Doman, and today we have a guest from Pittsburgh. He is a real estate agent here in Pittsburgh, and he also has a podcast. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the overlap between design and real estate and get a little bit more information on his podcast. So let's, everybody, welcome Eric McKenna. Doing today, Eric? Doing great, my friend. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us today. I wanted to start off and talk about your podcast, the Eric McKenna um, Project, um, where people could find it and what what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate that very much. Uh, EricMcKenna.com is kind of the portal where everything's at. I know we live in a social media world right now. So, you know, I've, I've, I'm kind of a quote unquote early adopter of Facebook. And that's kind of been my home. It might be the demographic of where I am in, in life. It's kind of where, where it's been. But at ericmckenna.com is the, the portal for the realty work that I do, uh, the EMP podcast, uh, some work I had done prior with a company called Boogie Street Guitars. It was a guitar design uh, and manufacturing firm. And just all my all of my stuff is there. And I was just discussing off, off camera with you. We're about two weeks away from having a rebrand and a relaunch. So it's pretty exciting. That's awesome. So on your podcast, what are you, who are you bringing on and what are the conversations like? The idea initially, Eric, was simply to have conversations, period. I am, I'm 55. And the reason I bring that up is is it's extremely frustrating for folks in my age demographic to give up on conversation, to give up on real human interaction. It sounds a little uh, heady, but it's not. People are not sitting down and actually talking to each other anymore. We're getting most of our information, emojis, short 140 characters. We're just skimming headlines on subjects. We're so triggered now to react to people based upon the first things we hear out of their mouth. The idea of sitting folks down in a relaxed setting and actually having a conversation. When I started, I, you know, it, I was doing it selfishly for me, and I kind of still am. I had no idea it would grow legs. I had no idea that uh, anyone would even want to listen to folks having real conversations. And what I found is that Joe Rogan and some of the long form podcasts uh, well before me on a broad scale, if you just pay attention to what's happening, people want to, they want to be engaged. They're tired. I think they won't admit it or they're not cognizant of it. But I think folks are, are starving for real exchange, something a little more in depth than two or three sentences. The, the sound bites on CNN, Fox, and all your, your shows on TV are all scripted and coined in 15, you know, 12 second segments and all that nonsense. This is just an effort to slow things down. So I want interesting conversations. That could be a group of people that I've known for a long time that are out of the box thinkers. That could be someone in sports and entertainment in the town that interests me, you know, because it has to, it has to drive me. It's a selfish project. It could be someone in business. It could be uh, someone in law, uh, someone as, as we'll talk down the line, someone in design, someone, something that interests me because if I'm not engaged uh, it's first off, it's not worth it. At this yeah. point in my life, it's a selfish project. Um, and I thought if I filmed these conversations, if nothing else, I would leave kind of a, a diary for my kids and maybe their grandkids. And it just turned out into something that if I filmed it and put it out there, people just started reacting to it. And I was a little unnerved in the beginning because I made the studio look great, right? And, yeah. and so visually we're, we're solid there, but I was really surprised that as many people cared about what the hell I was doing. So 
uh, again, it, it's just the pursuit of real human interaction, real conversations, and an effort to slow, maybe slow our thought process down and, and let one, two, or three people get together and have a conversation or exchange of ideas with no agenda, no preconceived notion, no political slant, um, no kind of bias whatsoever. And, you know, knock on wood, you know, almost three years into it now, we're at show 235, I think, which is insane. Wow. It's insane. It is insane. Yeah. So it, it, it's just an effort to have real conversations, to slow the, the pace down a little bit and to have a good time. Do you have any boundaries on conversations like topics that you're talking about? Yeah, I I spend a lot of time writing. Uh, I've been a big journaler forever. So I kind of I I kind of plan a lot. Right. Um, But I still sometimes feel I'm living off the seat of my pants. But um, I only the only thing I stay away from intentionally is I won't have a politician on or I won't invite somebody who. works for a political campaign or is part of a political machine someone that let's say a let's say a mayor gets elected and now he has an off staff i won't ask for any of that i don't want anything coming across as if i'm giving undue publicity to a political candidate i'm going to be in in a tough spot soon because some of my reoccurring guests um i think are thinking of running for office and i i don't want to be a mouthpiece although i love them to death i don't want to be a mouthpiece for that so i try to stay away politics is not off subject if someone wants to discuss it uh, as part of our conversation i try not to lead with it um that's kind of the only boundary i i again it's a selfish show case in point like there are probably some fascinating people in um in the world of tennis you know great sport i have no interest in that so the greatest tennis player in in the world might take up residence in moon township couple miles from me i'd have no interest in talking with him it's that selfish i'm not really out there looking for the latest hit maker um we i'm just not looking for pop for the sake of pop if that makes any sense yeah it's got to be something that i'm engaged at and it's got to be enjoyable if i want to give us give up a small portion of my life to do each of these the exchange has to be worth it to me and that sounds selfish, but again, I'm not asking anybody to buy anything, and I'm not asking anybody to even tune in. People found it interesting, and they've they've jumped on the bandwagon, and I'm eternally grateful and, and surprised by that. But again, it's it's a selfish show, and will probably remain that way. Absolutely, and I've watched um, watched and listened to a couple episodes, and you could sh- it shows that you're not there for you know a lot of these podcasts. You can see that they're getting paid to do these interviews and promotions, and it looks like you're just there because you enjoy it no no interest and and i i've been you know as we mentioned a little off camera as well i you know had a prior life before realty which we can discuss too on the guitars uh it was very good to me um i'm in a place in my life right now where you're always you know making sure you take care of your family and and you and you work and, and do a good job at the work that you do but i'm afforded a position right now in my life where i don't need to monetize my hobby and that's kind of that's what i'd be what we're doing if i had joe's pizza shop over here and you know bill's uh over you know bill's hoagies over here or whatever it was that was driving the show that's fine for others i've just at a point in my life right now where i think that puts undue stress on your conversation it puts undue stress on your topics your guest selection and everything else this way uh everything is not only unvarnished but everything for the most part is um uh unbiased and uh, i don't feel forced by anyone or any entity to do or not do anything 
that makes any sense. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Freedom. And it's freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, where else, where can everybody catch your um, Eric McKenna um, podcast? Yeah. So ericmckenna.com, they're there. We do have a YouTube channel. Uh, I've paid absolutely no attention to it outside of just making sure it's a depository for all the shows in sequence. They're all there, all, all in HD. Very proud of our production values. You can find it at YouTube. Our main depository and most of the interaction comes from Facebook, believe it or not. Um, okay. Yeah, our Facebook uh, uh, project page is there and all the videos are there and they're stacked there. And that's where we're seeing the bulk of all the views. Um, things get shared around. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so I'm such a novice in regards to um, to Internet publicity. And I, the show was not intended to be grown in a way to make money. So when people look at the show there, I often get the comment, Eric, you know, you're not doing you should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. They're probably right. And maybe some of those promotional things we'll look at as we continue to do more shows. But that was never the intent. So yeah for sure this show could have probably gone in different directions and maybe have been handled differently from a promotional standpoint it just didn't really at the time it didn't really interest me so um it proliferated on its own yeah does that make sense it just legs on and and that's kind of rewarding itself absolutely it shows that um viewers are in it for the love of what you're making i think yeah it just and and and, um i don't know i I don't know what your experience has been with the web in general and in particularly social media, but the great thing about the internet, which I found out real quick in 96 was it's the ultimate free market exchange of everything, money, ideas, all, because if there's no interest, the thing will die. Absolutely. <laughs> right. We're, I mean, it's, we're it's never going to get started. It's perfect free market. I mean, if, if, Absolutely. if you've got no interest from on what you're doing, it, you won't last long, Mm-mm. you know? So it's uh, the mark. I let the market decide on its own. Absolutely. I always say that about social media. It's a free marketing tool. Why aren't you using it? And, you know, some people, I think we, we talked about off camera. There's some people that just don't know how to use it correctly, um, which I'm definitely not an expert on, but um, it helps your business and every business. Like we, you, real estate podcast um and it's a great tool um i want to kind of get started on your real estate um you work for uh you're a broker for compass yeah i'm a uh, real estate agent uh i'm not a broker please don't okay. put that on me. <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, an agent with compass indeed i'm in my eighth year here in um southwestern pa of uh, being a real estate very agent cool. very cool so all around pittsburgh yeah, I try. I, I north of Pittsburgh, south, uh, all the west, all the way to Ohio. I do go east. I, I try not to, only because of the uh, the traffic gymnastics, and it's not fair to my clients if I can't get there in a reasonable amount of time. So yeah. I try to take listings uh, that are north, south, or west of Pittsburgh. But it's a pretty broad area. Absolutely, it makes sense. Um, a topic that I talked about with a real estate over in London um, last year named Grant Bates um, talked about the, the overlap between real estate and design. Um, a lot of the times I have design clients that want to move in two years or move in five years, um, and they're trying to look to design to sell the home. Um, and I feel like a lot of the times designers aren't, designers and real estate agents aren't talking with each other, not understanding because i mean on your side you know what's selling um you know what 
people are looking for. Um, designers sometimes are just designing for themselves for a portfolio picture or for the customer, but it's not really helping them in the long run. Um, yeah. If you had a client that came to you and is um, maybe moving into the house and no, it's not a long-term home to build, what would be your first recommendation for them um, with home remodeling? Cool. Um, for, for us, generally, it's taking a look at, you know, I know it's a canned response, but it's typically uh, kitchens and bathrooms, okay, yeah. first and foremost. But in terms of the of actual design, um, I'm not a big fan of uh, putting up walls, adding additional cuts in existing construction, if that makes any sense, angular cuts. Um, a traditional house uh, can be, a, a traditional layout can be really distorted and you can do yourself long-term financial damage if you veer too much off of the original design of the home. And I, I, I find that from a resale, not from a personal preference, but from a resale uh, and, and client opinions and views and things that I read, it, it just seems like the more personalized you make uh design slash interior construction modifications the more limiting you become on resale absolutely and i know this past year the market has been incredible and people are just kind of buying a house if they find one um, oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. when the market was a little bit more you could you have a lot more to choose from what are clients mostly looking for in a home as far as layout or design um, that you find that a lot of houses are lacking? Yeah, cool. Um, it's, it's a tough question. It, it's, it's really prevalent when I get a reload client that's coming from a different market, oh, yeah. a different part of the country, where uh, let's just say, um, I don't know where the architecture might be different from where they originated from to coming here. Pittsburgh's got a lot of older homes, a lot of older neighborhoods, a lot of traditional construction. So if you're raised in that, if all you know is what you've seen, um, big rooms is a big thing. Uh, again, I, I maybe it's parochial to me, maybe it's not. But I think when you get a lot of interior cuts or a lot of weird angles, Pittsburghers can have an issue with that. Mm -hmm. um, some folks can claim it's character, some, but for the most part, most people are looking for, for the bigger the room, the better, clean lines. And believe it or not, uh, taller, older construction, taller ceilings seem to be um, seem to be on the want list. Now, again, the last year has been insane, and people have been forced to take what they can find. Mm -hmm. But um, obviously, you can't change a ceiling height generally, and things like that. But I, but that seems to be on the want list: is big rooms, tall ceilings, um, a little character. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody really wants to feel in too enclosed i mean you may have that small sliver of, of the buying buying pool that might want something small tight and cozy but for the most part no one's really ever going to turn down extra square footage you know absolutely no um how do you see the market being in the next year that's uh man I put my nostradamus right. hat on i i, I uh i thought 2021 was going to be the big question mark but it unfolded in a relatively predictable way, especially the second half. Mm -hmm. I don't believe the market is um, contracting or slowing. I, I, it may be seasonally slower now than it was in the summer, but you know, it was, it's 2020 and 20, the early part of 2021 was a huge run-up. So it's kind of unfair to compare 
this month with like April prior, but um, it's still pretty strong and buyers are getting more of a selection now, which is wonderful. Some of the profiteering that was going on during the run-up is starting to come down. So it's starting to, to normalize to a degree, but I would still list it as a seller's market. And I, I believe at least the first half, the first two quarters of 2022 should still remain a seller's market. Absolutely. I mean, it's somewhat good to hear. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. I mean, I would like it to normalize. I would like to see 2013, 14, and 15 again, where, you know, sellers were making great money on their properties, but there was enough listings that buyers could go and see six or seven houses before they had to make up their mind. So, yeah. And yeah, not make it so fast, too. Yeah. You know, oh, 100%. You offer in right away, you're screwed. It was it was a challenging time. I, I won't say that it was my favorite time as being a realtor. I, I really, I love my sellers and buyers equally, just very different. But I, I, I felt terribly for a lot of my buyers, especially my younger buyers, because there just wasn't a lot to choose from. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a realtor's job is to be their advocate and to be trusted enough to give our thoughts on things but also understanding what our role is to be an advocate and to execute the wishes of our clients. So again, we have, I think our quote unquote opinion has a place if there's trust, mm -hmm. but we have to keep in mind, it's just our opinion. The client is still calling all the shots. And if a client wants to go for something, um, you know, even if we see all the danger signs, you know, as long as we effectively conveyed um, our thoughts in a polite way, we must execute their wishes. So it's sometimes it's tough to see, especially in a market this tight where you, you'd, you know, you'd almost beg a client to be a little patient, maybe six, eight months for their own personal well-being. But uh, that's the tougher part for me is, is seeing some, some people not having all the choices that they may have a year or two for now or would have had a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the toughest part. Absolutely. Yeah, I have, I have so many friends that are struggling now they're just trying to find their first house and you know they and you don't want to settle on something that you don't necessarily like and then spit pay fifty thousand dollars more for it um that's not what you want to do for your first house so it's just disappointing to see it, it, it's disappointing inventory is low and you what you just described is exactly the issue and i and i've got clients that have faced it too i've also had some very prudent clients who basically after a month or two out there when looking us looking and evaluating said we need to be patient we need to wait it out a little bit and the, and i just have a client that came under agreement now who was looking in 2020 and then let it cool off for a while they actually made a very prudent decision because the house they just acquired would have been considerably more money during the run-up of 2020 uh, 2021 okay. and they got the neighborhood they wanted their patience was rewarded i guess that's where um you know, there's not a lot of salesmen in me. If you're going to be a, a realtor, you, you know, I, we're not salesmen. They, that might be the moniker that the state has for us, uh, salesperson, right? Real mm -hmm. estate salesperson. I've been a salesperson. I, I know that angle of career choice. And this is more of an advocate circumstance. Like, uh, yeah. you know, the work that you do, you advise clients, you're, you're advising clients on your ideas and what might help them. And then mm -hmm. we navigate the process for them to make it as easy as possible. That's all being a realtor is. There's no salesman or gamesmanship to it. And 
that's what makes it the job easy for me because mm-hmm. we're not, I'm not there to sell a house to somebody. That, that's a misnomer. They're, they're choosing the right house and I'm helping them make a good decision. So, yes. You're kind of just being their real estate parent or they're kind of like their mentor guiding them to buy a house or in a profession that they don't know anything about. So you're just their expert for them. Yeah. I like the word advocate. I like it because I think that's the role that we best play if the agent is humble enough to understand their role. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not only comes with training and experience and personal disposition, but, but uh, it's a fascinating line of work and it encompasses, you know, for, for our sake of our conversation, it definitely encompasses getting to know um, homes, getting to know regions, getting to know new construction versus old construction, understanding houses and how they were built in 1870 compared to 1930, compared to 1950s, compared to the 70s and today. Each, it, generally speaking, each uh, time period has specific attributes to it. So, Absolutely. yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, last question I want to end with, um, throughout all your years of real estate, looking yeah. through homes of homeowners that just did a quick flick, um, flip, or they're just trying to remodel the home that you've seen all these different mistakes. I know I have, um, what have the shortcuts that you've seen or just overall remodeling mistakes that you've seen throughout the years that you wow. hope to help a viewer out right now and just tell them to maybe yeah. hire a professional or do it a different way. Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I hate to say that it's comical almost. And there's probably a ton of memes on the web with bad, bad flips and bad remodeling, but I've seen a lot and I've seen yeah. uh, a lot of, a lot of mistakes are made in kitchens and bathrooms. And there's, they're two of the most important rooms at the house for resale and probably mm-hmm. should be designed with someone like yourself and then implemented by professional contractors, because that's, a go, when someone enters a house to view the house, they go invariably to two places, the kitchens, and they want to see how nice the bathrooms are. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm a guy. I don't entirely understand that, but that's reality. Um, just, just shabby countertops, shabby floors, uh, really a, a big area of complete mess the last couple of years because it's in vogue are backsplashes in kitchens. I've seen some abominations there. Um, on the broader sense, shabby electrical work, um, dangerous electrical work, shabby plumbing, uh, things that should have been left to professionals uh, on the, uh, the physical structure of the, of the house. Um, on, on the design front, uh, to be honest with you, you know, people thinking that they're an interior designer, people thinking that they, and it's a good to have your own taste, I get it, you, yeah. you got to live there, Absolutely. but if you're, if, you're, if you're creating to resell, you know, you got to humble, be humble enough to get professionals opinions on things. That's what people do. And a lot of people will not uh, take an opinion to heart and do, you know, and do uh, probably what they should do. And they want to do what they want to do. And then their particular tastes are so parochial, it's not going to translate on a broad scale. So you see a lot of weird, you know, you see the application of wallpaper because it's wallpapers back now, which I yep can't understand i guess tastefully if it's done it's great but it's not being done by professionals i can assure you um mixing and matching of carpets you know if you instead of the idea of a single floor covering for the entire floor of a house 
you see a hallway in uh, maybe Pergo, or, or you see like two rooms with two different car carpet colors, things that kind of happened in the 70s and 80s and were, it was in vogue. It's kind of being replicated now. It's just not enough thought going into how will the house appeal on a mass basis as opposed to a specific like. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I bought my house right before the pandemic. I was lucky. And looking through houses, I found that there's some people that flipping houses that just do it cosmetically and they kind of ignore the, uh, oh, yeah. the pipes yeah. and electrical yeah. work. Yeah. And, and it, it looks nice, but you know, you're gonna have to tear down all that cosmetic stuff that you just did that whole kitchen you just remodeled because the pipes aren't going to work or you're, you know, you're saying your dishwasher is not working. So that's, a big thing the flooring thing has drove me crazy just like <laughs> having four different floorings on one floor is just uh, yeah, i see it all the time and, and and you know when you go to show somebody an older house in pittsburgh oftentimes it's it's styled sometimes back to the 70s or 80s and you'll see a lot of golds a lot of interesting patterns on the carpeting like sculptured carpeting and you'll see each room had its own color or each room had its own color of carpeting and you would think that that was like, you know, in vogue 40, 50 years ago, but you see the same mistakes being repeated. Now, may, it might not be sculptured carpeting. It might be just plush carpeting, but you see different color schemes. You see, and again, it's, it's, it's you know, in your work, line of work too, you have to dance on a very fine line because you don't want to quote unquote offend anybody because everybody's got unique specific tastes. Yeah. My my job is to talk about generalities in a way that, you know, the, the most mass appeal that a seller will reach when they put their house on the market. So, you know, I like a certain color. I like a certain style of game room, you know, I like a certain style of office in my house, but it's very specific to me mm -hmm. knowing that that office configuration, most people look at that and say, that's not functional. I wouldn't want that. That's too cluttered. That's whatever. So if we're humble, we just got to be humble enough to realize that our way might not be the best way, you know, and I think that, that that's something to keep in mind when you're preparing a house, whether it's your house to sell or you're renovating and quote unquote flipping a house, you need to think about the market of people that are going to be coming in, looking at it and eventually acquiring it. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, come, it comes back to humility. Mm -hmm. That brings up another point. Um, that I kind of wanted to make uh, sure. uh, one thing that I, I found with relationships between designers and real estate agents is, I mean, I've done it and I've helped out real estate agents. They clients come into the house and they, they know that it's not the house that they want just because co cosmetic changes and stuff. Sure. And sure. a real estate agent will reach out to me just to have me come out and look at the house and help the buyer visualize something or me put up a rendering or something. Um, right. And that completely changes because if you look at these houses on hgtv and you look at the houses they move into and you're like no way i could never envision myself moving in there and then the designs pop up and you're like well that's my dream house and that's yeah. what we're there for and if we could help a real estate agent sell a house from that that's absolutely everything. yeah absolutely and, and, and see this is where i have a love-hate relationship with those shows because um, a lot of the real estate shows like your love it or listed. I mean, there's some practical advice in there. There can be um, a lot of it's fantasy. When you see some oh, yeah. negotiation stuff that goes on, that's theater, that's television. Mm -hmm. But what the shows do do is they show what is possible. And um, 
and again, yes, anything is possible. If you want to, you know, it, I hear this a lot, especially from younger buyers, and I just smile. I hear the following. Oh, this is our dream home. We're not ever, never moving out of here. And we're not going to go through this moving process again. We're going to stay here forever. So, and this is coming from a 25 year old. So again, I know that's not reality. They probably know it's not reality, but the, the thing is people move in oftentimes and they get very specific about their home and that's fine. Yeah. Until you got to sell it. And the great thing about those shows is you can actually buy a house that is obviously visually not where you want it to be, not anywhere close. And with the right designer, with the right ideas and the right implementation, you can completely, almost completely reconfigure the living space. And that the, the possibilities that are shown to the viewer, I think are fantastic. It's something that I can't articulate. You know, and you probably would have a hard time even even with your skill set completely articulating just in a conversation. So having that visual tool of showing what's possible, I think probably helps realtors, believe it or not. It helps Absolutely. people. Um, I don't know what you find, but I do find that there are I got Eric, I can't stress this enough. Um, the reason why I'm kind of uh very vehemently against over-personalization is there are buyers within the buyer pool that cannot visualize. Some folks don't have a skill set where they can quote unquote, see what's Mm. possible. They can only see what's in. I mean, I've had clients see a yellow kitchen and just the color of the paint made them leave. Yeah. It's happened. I know it sounds insane, but a color of a kitchen wall has turned off a buyer, which is on the face of it, utterly ridiculous, but it happens. But it happens. And to ignore that reality, you do it at your own peril. Absolutely. Yeah. In my own house, I have a couple black accent walls. um, And I know when I resell it, I'm going to have to paint them neutral just because of that. Because black scares people. (laughs) Even though I think it looks awesome. but Yeah, it can be very cool. No question. No question. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I want everybody to make sure they check you out on ericmckenna.com. Yep. Um, yeah, just uh, you, you Google me. If you can't find me, you're not looking very hard. <laughs> been doing all, been doing all the things I do for quite a while. So I'm out there. Yeah. And then check out the Eric McKenna project and follow you on Instagram at Eric McKenna official. Yeah. And then Facebook, I think it's also Eric McKenna official as well. I think awesome. I should know that. well usually if they just type in your name they'll see you fair enough awesome thank you so much eric for your time today and um can't wait to get this up all right my pleasure man thank you so much awesome have a great rest of the day thanks bye bye